we are recording now. Over? Okay. Okay. Cool. It won't be over until I'm out of this blanket insanity. This hot box. This hot box and my bangs are everywhere. Speaking of hot box, perfect segue. Are you prepared to resist drugs and violence, Riley? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I am, especially are, not today. Yeah, you're a bit of a salty Susan today. I am. Thank you for noticing. Yeah, no, it's fine. I did delay this recording by two hours. Well, technically two days and then two more hours. <laughs> yes, yes, you did. I feel Damn like you've, it. you've like never really experienced my ADHD until we started recording this together. It has been eye-opening. You're not wrong. <laughs> I also haven't experienced my own sort of ADHD until we started recording. We're just... Do you have ADHD? I don't know, but I have certain tendencies that I'm like, huh, is it, isn't it? Uh, you and I are different, but we're also very much the same in a lot of ways. But not in ways that like we complete each other and it makes it better. It's in ways that make it more hard. Correct. For everybody. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly it. And it gets super frustrating on both ends. And then when we finally get together, like we make it work. It's good. It's fine. And we love each other. But we're fucked in different ways. And like you said, not in ways that make it better. Yeah. It's not like a beautiful, like you complete me. It's like you are making this so much worse. Except that yeah. you in this situation is almost always me. And I accept that. <laughs> I'm also Not I always. Out, mm, I ran out of my ADHD meds a couple days ago, so that's not good. Well, and that then, was bad uh, timing. Yeah, no, it was bad timing. Also, I have a because you know I freelance right, and I have an assignment due today that I haven't really started, and it's um, it's a lot of writing to do. And Kelsey, because she doesn't have ADHD and she's a put together type A person, she was like, okay, I was talking to her yesterday and she's like, well, you need to do that. And then, you know, secondary is the podcast because that is not your job and you're doing that for fun. And I was like, yeah, okay, but I'm more scared of Riley than I am of breaking a legally binding contract. So I finished up the podcast stuff and have not started the writing of which I've gotten it in advance for so like I do have to finish it today it'll be fine and then after that I go to my uh, full-time job I'm very sorry I didn't know I don't try to be scary I'm just I am also an organized well I'm a type a person like Kelsey however it's the I'm like disorganized in weird ways so like I know what I want to get done I don't always know how to get there. And it's a lot easier for me to be frustrated with somebody else for fucking it up than look internally and be like, okay, but how are you also fucking it up? Because I I usually am in little ways as well. I respect that. See, I'm like usually pretty upfront fucking things up and I'm very sorry about it. And I also will never change that. I will try. I have been trying so hard, even medicated, I try. But it's like, okay, I get up for work and I'm like, cool, I got this. I have everything I need. And then I get to work. I'm working really hard. My boss is like, seriously, you need to take a break. And I'm like, okay, cool, fine. I take a break. And I don't know if I told you this. I take a little nappy nap in my car. I get out of my car and I lock my fucking keys in my car. And then I just stare at it and I just keep trying to open the door. And I know like, it's not going to open. It'll open for me. Yeah. It'll open. I was like, she knows. Her name's Nicole. I was like, Nicole, sh- she'll open. We've been through things. Um, <laughs> she didn't, which I also respect. And then I go inside to the workplace and I just look for Lauren and Jason's like, how was your nap? And I'm like, my car, my, my car's locked with my keys in it. And he just goes, oh no. And then he's like, well, do you have a spare? I'm like, yeah, but because I have ADHD. Is your spare in your car? No, I have no idea where it is. No idea. okay, okay. So I checked all of the places. What's difficult is I did the, if I were me, which conveniently I happen to be, I was like, where would I have put my keys? Okay, I need to check in my art supplies box. I need to check in 
the like this box I have that has like the tampons and makeup and whatnot. <laughs> I need to check under the couch. I need to check in the lockbox. I need to check in the random two cords bins. I need to check in the tech box. And then I just need to start anything that's a bag that looks like there's nonsense in it. I need to open it up and go through it. Did not find it. Had to call a locksmith at nine at night. He showed up with the dog. So that was nice. He got my car open in like, I would say six minutes. It was really fast. How much did that cost though? Uh, $80 and I tipped. Really? Yeah. Oh, also I need to, I haven't made this appointment though. I've known about it since before we went to Denver and we went to Denver like mid endish of March. I need to get my thermostat, I think fixed in my car because my check engine light has been on. So I need to do that. Are you sure? How do you know it's the thermostat? Jason, uh, there's a thing like you can plug into the car and then it's like gives you a code of what's wrong. So he did that. And then we looked at it and we're like, huh, that's what needs to be changed. So I have to do that, except every time I have a day off, I um, don't do it. So I should do that next week so my car doesn't explode. See, I do get that, though, because I am a big procrastinator when it comes to stuff like that. And it'll be even like the tiniest of things, like I'll walk past something every day and be like, "Mm, I should do that. And then like four weeks later, I finally do it. And it was super easy. And I'm like, I don't really understand why I didn't just do that four weeks ago. Oh, yeah. No, that is. I feel like that's almost everything like this writing assignment. I'm excited about it. It's a super nerdy thing. It's for a TTRPG, like a tabletop rope playing game, like D&D, but it's not D&D. Oh, okay. And I have to write these, not full adventures. It's like I pitched 10 adventures and then I have to write these almost like outlines for them. They're not super long and it really isn't like I'm excited to do it. I'm good at this type of writing. But for some reason, I'm just like, I'll do that another time. And then I will wait until, oh, you're wearing your Meow Wolf shirt. I'll wait until today when it's due to be like, yeah, I should I should figure out how I'm going to do that and do it and then send it in. I actually very much do get that. Well, now I'm stressed out for you. And nobody probably cares about any of this who's who's tuning in. <laughs> so probably all of this is going to get cut. Just the entire, there will be no podcast except for the intro and the outro. <laughs> like, guys, we got really stressed out. We got ourselves into a room. And we did drugs. <laughs> we did drugs and about it. we didn't it. complete it. Sorry. Back to drugs and violence. Pew, pew, pew. Oh, that would have been a cute little pick, like a pew, pew, pew. Did you do your homework? Did you watch? The, those videos are unhinged. And it was so long. Yeah. The animation was very like Rugrats meets The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Was it not? Oh, sorry. We're talking about, I'll put it on our YouTube and I'll also link to it in probably the show notes as well as on like our website on the thing about this episode. But it was a 90s dare. I can't even say commercial because it really is like 18,000 hours long. I mean, it's at least like yeah. seven minutes. It was 13 minutes. 13. Jesus. Yeah, so it's a short animation, and it is unhinged. Yeah, it was wild. That bunny, I will see him in my nightmares. Right? Yeah, so it's like a a bunny and then like a man in a bee costume. I can't remember anymore if they're both men who went into animal costumes to be like kids do drugs. I also like how they incorporated the stranger danger with like the white van. Yes! The the thing, too, is this comes up during... Halloween where people are like watch out people are putting drugs in your candy drugs are expensive nobody is giving out candy with drugs nobody's giving out drugs so the idea that these two dudes are like here are all of these free drugs all of them I'm like look I know you have to get somebody hooked before you can really start selling them making the money but I'm like this is not how it happens nobody is jumping out and being like hey do you want to try LSD heroin marijuana which is how they pronounced it in the video. Cigarettes. Oh, and glue. Oh, yeah. The glue sniffing thing really got me. I'm like, so we're we're putting that on the same level as cocaine, are we? Yeah. That's, well, that's the same thing. Because, yeah, because they like they start off with the more accessible drugs, you know, like cigarettes. And then they have this hilarious thing about marijuana. And then 
they are like, now let's try harder drugs. And the first thing they introduce is sniffing glue. And Kelsey and I were dying at that because it goes from sniffing glue to like acid and cocaine and heroin. Yeah. Yeah. It was a weird sidestep there. Yeah. So factually, there are things that just weren't true. And then also it was it was I can't I can't say it enough unhinged. It was truly unhinged. There was a lot going on. They also completely ripped off the caterpillar in Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Who I'm pretty sure it would not have been marijuana that that caterpillar caterpillar was fucked. I'm going opioids. Also, they (laughs) it showed you how to use every hard drug. Because I'm going to say in elementary school, I did not know that you like snort cocaine and you inject heroin. And they were like, okay, let us show you how you use these drugs for when you're not supposed to use them. But we'll go ahead and show you how, just so you know. I'm like, why are you showing us how? Yeah, there were there were a lot of issues. So I wanted, one, I was just like, I've seen this now, you have to see it. And then the other ones were also just like ridiculous, but not quite as over the top no the cartoon was the one that was really yeah scary but then there was like the the classic this is your brain this is your brain on drugs and it was just like constantly people frying eggs which just really made me want fried eggs i like was really hungry for breakfast and then there was the one of the creepy like deflated woman on the couch and they're talking about like all she does is smoke pot i kind of cracked up because i'm like I mean, yeah, there can be a lot of couch sitting, but the whole like your motivation is gone. Your dreams are gone. You're gone. I'm like, Jesus Christ. She's probably just going to play Mario Kart for a while. Like she's fine. I remember those specific commercials. Yeah. Like I remember the deflated person on the couch. To be honest, I sort of remember the cracked eggs ones. I do not remember the one with Rachel Lee Cook destroying an entire fucking kitchen. She was crazed. Well, the heroine. She's like smashing it with a frying pan and she's like smash and this is your brain I was like Rachel Lee cook calm down yeah you don't have to cook like just hang (laughs) just chill she needed some of the marijuana you don't have to eat eggs all the time Rachel it's okay yeah Christ so I thought that was a great like sampling platter of the anti-drug rhetoric at the time yes I agree so now I'm going to tell you a little bit about D.A.R.E. It stands for Drug Abuse Resistant Education. It's had like, it looks like a few slogans. The one I remember the best is Dare to Resist Drugs and Violence. It's a national and international drug prevention program that started in the 80s, seeing a need for prevention curriculum. The program was developed through a partnership with the LAPD and the Los Angeles Unified School District. At first, D.A.R.E. was just for elementary students, but then it, of course, ended up in middle schools and high schools. So I wanted to be like, like, what was going on in the 80s that called for all of these fantastic commercials and uh, just drug prevention programs to uh, be squeezed in between recess and nap time? Well, the 80s was going on. That's pretty much it. The 80s was wild. There's obviously more to it. The 60s, 70s, and 80s were rife with drug paranoia and, like, to be fair, drug use. In a lot of cases, well, man, I'm, I'm going to start sounding like a conspiracy theorist, but it's it's true. It's going to be like the CIA, the military. It's okay. Drugs, drugs, drugs. But you had, you know, like, GIs coming back from Vietnam and a bunch of other wars where they had either been shot up so they could keep performing at a high level or they were like, wow, I'm so depressed because we are committing atrocities that I'm going to do drugs. And that was uh, problematic, to say the least. Yeah, that's not conspiracy theory. That's just truth. We know that at this point. Yeah, yeah. So you've probably heard of the war on drugs before. Am I right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Familiar. The term was coined after a 1971 speech by everyone's favorite president, Richard Nixon. And he delivered this line in the speech, which is most often what you see pulled from it. And it's America's public enemy number one in the United States is drug abuse. In order to fight and defeat this enemy, it was necessary to wage a new all-out offensive. I don't actually really know what his voice sounds like, but I'm, I'm going <laughs> to say it's something like that. I bet it's just like that. Just like that. It's like he's here in the room with us. The full breakdown of the war on drugs, its contentious legacy, and Nixon's presidency are B. 
beyond the scope of this podcast. Because as you know, we're qualified to talk about Lisa Frank and Furbies, but I'm going to give a really, really, really brief, very watered down overview of the war on drugs, just a hitch bit. There, there are so many other parts to it and it's incredibly political. It's like Jenga and you're like trying to pull a block and you're like, does this one say the CIA? Does this one say crack cocaine? Does that like... <laughs> so... If anybody wants to learn more, there are a bunch of really good podcasts I've listened to about this just because in general, I find this topic super interesting. So I'll have those in either like show notes or on that page where we list all the things. But one of them that's really, really great is YN, oh my God, the dyslexic, the dyslexic, WNYC Studios, Notes from America with Kai Wright. The episode is called The Drug War. Ooh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, no, it, it's it's really fascinating. It talks about Nixon's response to America's drug epidemic at the time, and in some cases, real drug epidemic, in other cases, like perceived. And once again, this is like not going to be a great breakdown of it. So I would highly recommend people go after sources that are actually about this because this is just about how Dare was dumb. Spoiler alerts. <laughs> so with Nixon's response, there were kind of two sides of it. So one did actually focus on treatment, which I had I didn't know about and was, you know, surprisingly like for the time effective in some ways. It was uh, methadone clinics and those were helping people at the time get off of heroin and other drugs. But I also know there were issues about the use of methadone, et cetera, et cetera. Once again, I'm, I'm not going to go into all of that because that would need to be like an entire podcast just about this aspect. Anyways, his other side was more militant. He christened like a bunch of new agencies, uh, including the Office of Drug Abuse Law Enforcement. And a lot of these ended up coalescing into the DEA. The Office of Drug Abuse Law Enforcement was kind of like drug cops. And well, our buddy Nixon said that he wanted to go after distributors at the top. The war on drugs did not treat all sellers and users the same. Weird. Yeah, especially like, and this is shocking because Nixon is just known for his love of all people, except for the part where he's real racist. Except for that. That's just a small part of it. Yeah. So, un, you know, unsurprisingly, this whole war on drugs, it's not just like in Nixon's era, like it starts off with him, but it gets wild in the Reagan era. But it was particularly harsh on black people and black communities. And there are still lasting impacts from that. And that is like just a constant from this like war on drugs from its legacy. I did a lot of my own research on this as well, because I didn't want to just repeat things I was seeing. I wanted to look at studies. And I found a 1990s study that showed while black people were selling less drugs and had less on their persons, black people were arrested at a disproportionate rate to white people. And I want to note that uh, that 1995 data is from the U.S. Department of Justice itself. I wish I could say I were surprised, but I am not. Yeah. Like I said, this this topic is one that the reporter and me, I just wanted to keep diving deep into it because it's it's such a fascinating and upsetting and aggravating topic. And it's very multifaceted. But, you know, I, I was like, I need to do this right. Like, I, I need to do more than just like a week or like a couple days of research. So that's really why I'm not going into it deeper. But I also thought that like it would be irresponsible to talk about D.A.R.E. and how it came about in the 80s and just skip over like the 70s and 80s and this like war and drugs thing. Yeah, absolutely. We are going to move on to where things start really ramping up, which is the Reagan era. May he rest in constant unease. <laughs> oh, fucking Reagan. Okay. So Nancy Reagan had a really stupid just say no campaign which is just as effective as telling teenagers to like just say no to sex. Just <laughs> say no to anything, really. Just right, Anytime like, you tell a teenager not to do something, they're going to go do it immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, let's just, let's just, I, I don't even have anything clever to say. I just can't fucking stand Nancy Reagan. She's dead now. So <laughs> it is what it is. So while she had her just real dumb, just say no campaign, uh, Reagan had an anti-drug abuse act of 86. And this is where things get real bad 
because the act is best known for how it criminalized crack cocaine versus powdered cocaine. Your faves? Your face right now. Don't worry. I'm going to... Okay. I mean, we need to differentiate. Well... Okay. Yeah. Continue. Okay. I'm, I'm confused. Right. So remember that 90s study I talked about like a minute ago? Yes, I do remember. I'm not that old yet. Okay. That's good. So this is pretty much what it's demonstrating. This part is really important. Chemically, crack and powder cocaine are the same. The differences are how you take the drug, like the version of the drug, and thus how fast it gets into your bloodstream for you to feel the effects. Crack is smoked and gets into your system faster than snorting the powder or rubbing it on your gums. However, if you inject the powder, it has like the same quick response as smoking crack. Yes. Uh, Thank you. How do you inject a powder? I... Did not look that up. I'm guessing you mix it with something and then you go boopity boopity boop. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Thank you. But I didn't look it up because, and I have sources for all this information and and like good sources. So uh, once again, they'll be linked. And I got this from the American Addiction Center. So once again, crack is smoked. It gets into your system faster. And because of that, you get high faster and it wears off faster. So the American addiction centers say that you are at higher risk of addiction simply because it'll wear off faster than like snorting the drug. But if you're injecting it, it's going to be the same as like smoking it. Okay. Now, the second difference is economical. Crack is cheaper to produce and is thus more common in poor communities. Well, the opposite is true for powdered coke and the anti-drug abuse act rather insidiously had the same minimum sentence for possessing a gram of crack as a hundred grams of powdered cocaine i see what's happening now yes yeah so this is going to cause a huge disparity in drug arrests as the bar is much lower to arresting people using crack And once again, there are some really, really fascinating, really well done podcasts on this. I'm going to put a few of them in, but pretty much powdered cocaine is more associated with like middle, higher class white people. Mm -hmm. So you have five grams of crack on someone and you have to have like 500 grams of powdered cocaine. And and those sentences are going to be the same. Uh Yes. Yes. That seems wrong. Yeah, no, it's it's um, it's racist. It's I mean, there's like no yeah way around it. They tried to make it seem like oh, crack is so much worse than powdered cocaine, but it's it's like no, you're going to find crack. The CIA, look into the CIA, everyone. You're going to find crack in poor communities, and mm-hmm. because of once again, we're looking at the Jenga block tower. A lot of times those are going to be communities with more minorities. And so you're making it much easier to arrest them than you are to arrest white people. And once again, if you go back to that study, you're going to be arresting more black people or brown people because the bar is much lower, even though based on that study, white people were selling and using more. That's I mean, it was very intentional what they were doing yeah and this isn't to say like there definitely were tons and there are tons of issues with drugs in america of course i'm bringing this up because once again i felt like the background was important to talk about drugs in america and it seems like it'd be irresponsible to just completely ignore what was going on at the time that dare was started and but like leading up to dare really my point is that like as a nation we're really horrible about policing and educating people on drugs and doing it ethically and fairly yeah absolutely that's well and i'm glad you went into that because i had no idea i had no idea that the sentences were different for the different types of cocaine or however you want to put that that's that's bonkers hot take reagan nixon kind of assholes not great guys no don't live laugh love them you know, anytime I think of, oh shit, now I can't remember if it's Nixon or Reagan. Did you ever watch Futurama? Uh, not really, a little bit when I was at your house. One of them is a head in a glass jar on that show. And so that's sort of the image that comes to mind instantly, but now I can't remember which one it is. So it was a really pointless story. But anyway. That's okay. I'm, I, 
is it Nixon? I feel like it may be Nixon. He has a more cartoony face. I think it might be Nixon. I think you're right. That's what I think of when I think of both of them, apparently. Just heads in a jar. <laughs> One head in a jar. That's yeah. All right. So that was some aggravating history about America's war on drugs. Now let's swap to something a little more fun. It's not going to probably be more fun because it's kind of sad too, but we're going to do a trivia quiz. I am ready to fail. Lay it on me. You know so much about drugs, ops. (laughs) All right, here's your first one. What is the most commonly abused substance among teens and adults? Like in this day and age? Yeah. Prescription medications? It is alcohol. Oh, shit. Yeah, I forgot about alcohol. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's why I said substances. But no, uh, prescriptions would have been also, uh, like, it's up there. It's for sure up there. And then, did you know, this is kind of interesting, that you can die from alcohol withdrawal. No, I didn't actually know you could die from it. How do you die from it? Like, your body just can't cope? Uh, Yeah, I didn't really go, like, totally into the science of it, because I was like, this is not the scope. But it's just something that I know, because I know people who work in addiction centers and things like that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but like you're not going to die if you're uh, hooked on an opioid. It's going to be awful, like horrendous to detox from that. But from alcohol, like sometimes it's so bad that like the detox can't be at the center and it has to be at the ER. Wow. Yeah, I had no idea. It's uh, not to be fucked around with. This trivia quiz is not it's not going to be happy, I guess. So we're going to move on to the next one. Did drug use among teens increase or decrease during the pandemic? I could see it going either way because I could see it going down because nobody was supposed to leave their houses. So, I mean, can you order drugs? I don't know anything. I could also see it going up because coping with the pandemic was awful. I'm going to say it went up. This is a really tricky one. You were right. It actually, like in the beginning, like it went down in 2021, even though kids reported higher levels of anxiety and depression. The thinking is that it was just harder to get drugs. Right. And also, if you are a teenager and you can't really go anywhere, like, where are you going to do them? Oh, yeah, true. True, true. You can't just be, like, sitting in your the middle of your parents' living room. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, I guess it depends on your parents. But, yeah, I thought that was, like, a, a really interesting uh, little thing about the pandemic and how, like, the youths were more sad, but also using less drugs because of accessibility and by the way you can order drugs online there's a bunch of podcasts about the silk road okay yeah red-handed just did an episode recently on that so that's where i was like okay i feel like i've heard that you can do that but again i am completely naive to how a person goes about getting drugs so answering these questions (laughs) i sound really stupid no it's fun i picked them for a reason because (laughs) you and i are not it was just like this is going to be fun uh yes uh red-handed recently did something about the silk road and it was really good case file has a i think three-parter on the silk road that's fantastic and then i read american kingpin and it's a fantastic read i i would recommend it you might like it okay that's cool all right our next question is has opioid abuse among teens gone up or down since 1999 up you are correct. According to the National Center for Drug Abuse Statistics, there has been a 500% increase since oh, 1999. Lord. Yeah. Oh, that's 500. Not good. We don't want that. No, no, it's really not good. And off of that, can you name any substance that is classified as an opioid? See where I'm going to sound like a real idiot because I almost asked you in this last question, well, what is the actual definition of an opioid? Okay, what was the question again? Can you just name any substance that's classified as an opioid? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, you, you'll you be familiar with these heavy hitters. It's things like heroin, oxycodone, oh, oxycontin, <laughs> hydrocodone, Vicodin, codeine, morphine, and fentanyl there are others but those are those are the big boys okay i have i've heard of those things everybody so shut up if you do not partake in the drugses and if (laughs) you aren't studying them like i understand why you wouldn't i've actually had quite a quite a lot of friends who have used drugs now that i think about it like i had a friend who he's clean now 
he's been clean for I think oh I think this is gonna be like his three or four year anniversary but that's amazing yeah and he I mean he used meth for a handful of years I have another friend who used a kind of a bunch of stuff but you know used heroin and Voot's not. I mean, I have a lot of friends who, because of where I live, really enjoy weed. This is the nerdiest thing, but I think I have an allergy to weed. It is nerdy, but I can't talk because I, again, it's not something I've ever tried and I literally can't because it's illegal where I am. But I do have a fear that if I ever were to try it, that I would be one of those people that like goes into a complete like panic attack or has an allergy or something. The first time I had an edible was at my not at the time, but like my exes now. It was at her aunt and uncle's house in Los Angeles. And because I'm stupid and competitive, like we each had just like a little bit. I, I can't t- say like it was this many grams or like, I don't fucking know. Right. We each had like a, a little bit because because God, it felt a little bit like Mean Girls. Her aunt put the toddlers to bed and then she was like, do you girls want some cookies? <laughs> and we we're like, yeah, sure. So her... Her aunt, her uncle and I just like had a little little piece of, uh, each had like a little piece of a cookie. And I immediately was like, I kind of have a headache. Like, I don't like this, but it mellowed my ex out, which was good for her, I think, at the time. But then we get back to our little guest house. And when we're leaving, her aunt is like, girls, I put some more in the fridge for you if you want any. So we go to, we go to the little guest house and my girlfriend at the time is just like, I think I'm going to have a whole one. And I was like, yeah, me too. No, I'm going to as well. Me too. Me too. I'm going to do it. I can do it. (laughs) I'm not feeling well already. I don't like it. But yeah, I I will meet your weed cookie. (laughs) So yeah, no, it's uh, look, I was, I was like, this is, this is good choice. These are good choices. Mm -hmm. I went through dare. Well, uh, so she, she, passed out she was exhausted i watched a really good skateboard documentary and then things started kind of looking paper mario-y like and i got real sick and then i just remember like i kind of came to and i was sitting i was sitting in the middle of their lawn swaying and throwing up and her aunt comes out and she's like i'm so sorry i'm so sorry we don't do this a lot so i have no idea how much is in there i'm so sorry and i was like i'm sorry about your lawn and then i just kept throwing up on the lawn and then i came to and i was tinkling in in the bathroom don't worry in the bathroom okay 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 thank you right no it could have been so much worse and then i could not like my girlfriend at the time was also like real high she wasn't sick but she was real high and she was helping me uh not tinkle I did that by myself I'm very proud of that fact good girl so I washed my hands and then I leave the bathroom and I could not fathom walking and it was like a small house and it's not like the guest house was I mean it was like a studio like a, it, it was a small yard it was not that long of a walk but I was like I cannot do this so I made it to the couch and then my ex just kind of laid on the floor and we went to sleep and then we woke up we woke up really early because her little cousin was going to like Montessori school and he was like four maybe four or five I don't know and he really wanted to play with us and his dad's like oh uh no they're just they're just so tired you have to go can I just say that if you are going to bake any sort of weed treat that you probably should have an idea of how much to use I mean that seems like slightly irresponsible she did give these from a friend oh so she didn't even bake them no, no. She got these from a friend and then gave them to like, oh I think I was gosh. 19. I was 19 or 20. I don't know. Okay. Well, I'm very sorry that happened. She's not like a regular aunt. She's a cool aunt. <laughs> Truly. I don't like edibles. They always make me sick. So I don't, I don't like, I just don't like, I don't really, like I've, you know, at parties and stuff, of course, I've been like, yeah, sure. I'll smoke a little. And then I'm like, yeah, my face just itches. It just itches. Sometimes too, Ooh. I don't even have to be the one smoking it. It can just be around me and it makes my face itch. So I have not partooketh in a very long time because it's not my jam. But I have a lot of friends who do and I, I don't care as long as... Well, yeah, it doesn't sound enjoyable for you. Yeah, I don't care as long as like it's not making my face itch when I'm hanging out with them. Fair. Yeah. We've gone down a path. <laughs> right? We've gone down a path. But the final question is, what is the airline's name? What is the what? 
the dare lion's name. Remember the lion mascot? Oh, the lion. I thought you said lion. Oh, it's probably not Tony because Tony was the tiger and that would be copyright infringement. I'm going to go with Danny. Oh, that's a really good one. Thank you. No, it's Darren. Darren. Danny's cuter. Darren's like a, dare I say, a pedophile name. (laughs) (laughs) Dare I say. that. That doesn't sound like a lion that you want to be hanging around with right to me that sounds like a very predatory maybe that's the better word predatory name darren the lion darren i guess darren dare darren yeah no it's just they should have gone with danny and that's a bit on the nose do better dare (laughs) always so i found this from dare's website and it just i don't know it made me laugh but it's like the demand for D.A.R.E. training and program implementation resulted in the creation of D.A.R.E.'s National International Substance Abuse Prevention Dissemination Infrastructure, which remains to this day a state-of-the-art standard for other prevention endeavors to emulate. Okay, that's a word soup. Also, right? if you're hoping that people who are trying to get off drugs are going to read that and understand what you're doing, you are incorrect. I barely understood that and I'm sober. It's a run-on sentence. And then the part that just made me laugh is when they're like at state of the art and blah. I'm like, you guys failed. I mean, like they're doing better, but I'm like, it did. Cause that's okay. That's the thing. Dare failed. That's yeah. the episode. We're done. No. One of the reasons the original program did not do great is because it wasn't created by substance abuse professionals, which, you know, seems like a major oversight for a substance abuse program. And you could say, like, the cops know about drugs, but I I don't even know how to describe this. Having worked in news, you realize that there are different ways to know about things. That's the dumbest sentence I could ever say. But there's, there's like, a huge difference between knowing how addiction works versus you interact with people who are maybe facing addiction and also are trying to, you're, you're like, trying to bust drug rings or whatever the fuck you're doing. There's just a very big difference between that yeah having cops come in was also about like creating these good relationships between cops and the community right and now i believe they have to go through more training but i just find it funny that the program was created and they were like we don't need to talk to substance abuse professional we're like we've got this we got a lion and we have a badge there definitely needed to be other individuals involved, other entities involved who could really understand like why people get addicted to substances and that sort of thing. And they could all work together. But yeah, the, you know, law enforcement does have a, a completely different interaction with people who are already addicted to substances. I did not realize it was kind of started by the LAPD. And I think we all know there's Not some, the greatest rap. Some issues there as well. So it's uh it's it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I also paused when I saw that and I was like, hmm. In the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Or wait, it was it yeah, was, it was, it was 1983 right. okay. yeah 83 okay that's right and like once again all of this like i'm making fun of darren and whatnot but it's because it's stupid but it's not to say that like there were problems with drugs and gangs and violence and all the things yeah. in the 80s and voot not but it was just how dare went about addressing this like for instance at its peak like the dare from our youth was in 75 percent of american schools and it was costing taxpayers like an estimated 600 to 750 million dollars a year yeah and it wasn't working right i mean that's like a lot of money to be spending on something that even at the time like in the 90s data was already coming out and being like guys i don't think this works but like the people didn't care because i read somewhere and it was uh, so perfect that i'm just going to reiterate what they said is that like we felt like it should work i feel like a lot of things go on longer than they should because people think well it should be working yeah it's like a good thing what could be bad about it it should work we feel good about it and then all like this data just kept coming out being like no one's like just not doing anything so throughout the like 90s and early 2000s there were studies showing that dare wasn't effective at preventing substance abuse and even studies that had positive data were criticized for lack of peer reviews or like long-term follow-ups with subjects if you're going to have something that taxpayers are funding with a shit ton of money and is implemented in most 
schools, then it should work. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I thought about a lot whenever I've looked at this topic is that I honestly like I don't know what the right answer is to Mm -hmm. our various, you know, opioid epidemics, fentanyl, all of those because they are awful. Like, I don't know what the answer is. Shockingly, I'm very uh, progressive, liberal, whatever you want to say. And a lot of people on that side of things on like the very left side will be like, well, we should legalize all of them. And I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I disagree with it. I'm not going to claim that I have a response of like, this is what we should do. I'm just here to make fun of dare being bad and costing a lot of money. I'm into that. Perfect. So there was a study that I found that was pretty interesting. In 2004, this study combed through a bunch of scientific journals to review previous DARE studies, and of the 40 articles they located, only about 11 met the strict criteria that they deemed reliable. I'll also have that study in notes. The conclusion was that while there were sometimes positive effects from DARE, the results were statistically insignificant. Ouch. Yeah, and uh, if you were in AP stats, or just stats, uh, you might remember statistical significance is pretty much it's like, were the positive effects from D.A.R.E. or could it have been random by chance? And they couldn't prove that. So that's why you're, when you're testing for something, you're looking for statistical significance. So this quote from the study I wanted to just read out because I think it does a nice job summing it up. I also should say one of my greatest fears is reading out loud because of the dyslex. Oh, no. So that's why if I'm mispronouncing things and stumbling a lot, it's just because I'm back in like second grade having a panic attack and crying. You're in a safe space here. Thank you. So the quote is, critics of the present analysis might argue that despite the magnitude of our findings, the direction of the effect of DARE was generally positive. While this is the case, it should be emphasized that the effects we found did not differ significantly from the variation one would expect by chance. And then it says, like, according to these guidelines, the effect size we obtained would need to be 20 times larger to be considered even small. Wow. It goes on to say, given tremendous expenditures and time and money involved with DARE, it would appear that continued effort should be focused on other techniques and programs that might produce more substantial effects. So that that's kind of where I came to be with DARE, is that even if there were these, like, positive effects, they weren't meaningful and you couldn't tie it to dare over chance and with the amount of money that was being spent it should have been axed earlier and I do believe at some point it went into a nonprofit, and then god dare merged and is now called keeping it real and I just I'm like have have any of these people (laughs) talked to any teenager ever no no they haven't I just yeah they would be better off actually telling kids, I think drugs are cool. Nobody says keeping it real anymore. Like, right? Who is their market research person? Like, who is their boots on the ground? Like, I mean, we have Google now, for fuck's sake. Like, Google current slang. I just, there's no excuse, is what I'm saying. Dare, no cap. Okay, I don't know what that means. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, no. It I I saw that and I was like, "Damn it, guys. You ha- come on. Come on. You're better than this. You can do better." They're not. They're not. That's the problem. I I well. mean, I found less about the current program. Uh, to be honest, I cared less because we're not talking about the current program. We're here to talk about things from our childhood. Right. It does seem like this at least is a little bit better because it takes into account cultural differences and the differences between if you're living in the city versus in a rural community, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, that's that's good. That seems important. Also, if you want to know, keeping it real stands for refuse, explain, avoid, leave. For God's sake. I mean... Like you said, at least it seems to have evolved in some necessary ways. Yeah. Uh, now, were any eggs harmed in the making of this new <laughs> dare situation? Because that's what I'm really upset about. The amount of eggs 
that have gone to waste with these dare commercials. Man, I should have I should have looked to see if there were any like PETA or any kind of like vegan organization that lost its shit over all these like oh, drug campaigns. That would have been amazing. God damn. Oh. I missed opportunity. It's okay. It's okay. I do though have some uh fascinating little bits from the old dare program to talk about. So as you remember, I'm sure like it would be an officer who would come in and be like don't do drugs. That, that was pretty much it. Do you remember there used to be though like snitch boxes as I like to call them? It was like a, a box that you could, I mean, you could snitch. You could be like so-and-so is dealing drugs or doing drugs or blah, 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 blah. And you could put it in the box anonymously. No. Yeah. I don't remember that, but my memory I'm discovering is so fucking terrible and I haven't done drugs so I don't know what I did to myself. <laughs> it just dulled. I was reading an LA Times article and it said that in 1992 I guess like a 12 year old boy had finished dare and then called the police to report his father for domestic violence and selling marijuana. Oh that's so sad. Which is, yeah, really sad. I don't know why I brought that. Like, I don't really have a point about that. I just came across it and it made me sad. And I'm like, I guess in that case, I'm, I it's, I don't know. I guess I hope it helped. We, I mean, we don't know how that all played out, but at least he felt like he could say something. So I guess that's maybe one little positive for that particular person. Oh, God, that made me sad. Yeah, in that same article, I'm going to read this quote, though, which won't make you sad. We'll just, we're going okay. up and it's uppers and downers time. <laughs> whoop, whoop. So this uh, dare officer said, knock. <laughs> so oh, no. This is <clears throat> knocking dares like kicking your mother or saying that apple pie doesn't taste good. For 10 years, <laughs> I've been living and breathing dare, and it's all been about helping kids. That's our program, and that's what we're going <laughs> to keep on doing. <laughs> up and down, baby, up and down. Oh. <laughs> Kicking your mother. Why would he say it like that? The two choices are just really unhinged. I'm sorry. that That's going to be the title of this episode. It's going to be Dare Unhinged. Dare Unhinged. Parentheses. Kicking your mother or apple pie. <laughs> yeah, I... Oh, that's so good. I mostly, I think these were just things... I was reading this article really late last night, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with these when I talk to you about <laughs> D.A.R.E., but I'm just going to bring them up, and that's what I'm doing. Oh, another thing, another little tidbit is... um. Uh, this was just from the Wikipedia. I'm sorry, my research got really tired towards the end when I was just looking for funny things and apparently sad things. Sometimes police officers would arrive in sports cars seized from drug dealers. Oh, that, no. <laughs> Which, I guess the point was to be like, look, if you do drugs, you'll lose your cool things. But like, all I'm seeing is like, look at the cool things you could have if you sell drugs. Yeah, that literally makes no sense. Like, oh, I got this from a drug dealer. See how cool it is? Oh, but don't, don't, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm trying to say. Don't, don't do this. Cause then we'll take it away, right? If we catch you. If, if we catch you, yeah. Whose idea? I need to speak to someone about this. Ups and downs, man. Ups and downs. It was... Uh... That was not keeping it real. <laughs> Tell me what the real stands for again. <clears throat> the real... Riley, so you can tell your children to keep them from the drugs. The real stands for refuse, explain, avoid, leave. Okay. The program now is about like coping skills and assessing risks and looking at your support network and goes over like emotional and mental health topics. And there's like a lot of role playing through things and it, it still sounds pretty lame, but maybe it's working. I've never been in a situation where role playing has worked. Uh, number one. Yep. Nobody likes it. Number two. Oh shit! What was I going to say before? Oh, going back to kind of what you said towards the beginning about drugs are expensive. Nobody is just trying to like hand you piles of drugs. Why is the focus of Dare so much on peer pressure? I guess I'm not saying there's no peer pressure involved, but again, it seems to be this idea that there are people waiting on the corner to just like give you all their drugs. Like they're looking <laughs> to make a profit. They're not just going to give it to you. You're going to have to pay for it. 
And I don't understand why there's not more focus on that. I think the issue is that they combine the, like you said, those two different, very different ways of getting drugs. Frankly, it's going to be like, oh, hey, my college roommate's friend sells something, you know, mm-hmm. and and it's going to be like, cool, I'll give you like 30 bucks or 10 bucks or whatever, you know, depending on what you're buying. Pick me up something, too. It's not going to just be some guy on the street who's like, hey, hey, you want to try a little bit? Yeah. You hey, kid, come over bit? here. I feel like, again, that's just so misleading. Like you said, it's going to be like your friend that says, hey, I know somebody. I do think the peer pressure aspect is big. I'm just thinking of all the times that I have been around drugs or that I've drank or things like that. And I wasn't ever, I mean, I dealt with peer pressure, but in my case, it it didn't bother me. Like I was pretty comfortable just being like, nah, I guess I can see how like learning how to navigate those situations for kids would be helpful. No, you're right. I guess the way they're addressing the peer pressure to me seems misleading. Well, especially in, I would say, especially in like the old program. Yes. Yeah. I guess that's what I have in my head. I'm still thinking of that bizarre cartoon where it was just like those guys following them around trying to get them hooked on drugs rather than a scenario like you were talking about where it's a, you know, a friend saying, hey, I can get this stuff. And there being that sort of pressure, even curiosity about like, well, yeah, if they're going to do it, I'll go ahead and do it. And like I said, I don't have a way to address that. I also don't have kids, so I don't really also have it feels weird to be like I don't have strong feelings about kids using or not using drugs it's more that I just don't have experience in that realm yeah that I can hold on these really strong heartfelt opinions I know that statistically the sooner that kids start you know experimenting with drugs or drinking it's more likely that long term they're going to be issues and also I know that you know like with like brain development not great not great but I don't know how I feel about the new Keeping It Real program. I don't feel great about the name. No, I feel terrible about the name. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it works. Uh, I don't know. And again, the old D.A.R.E. program was very much focused on illegal drugs. I feel like there needs to be attention paid to not illegal drugs that kids and adults, honestly, are getting a hold of and getting addicted to as well. That's a huge problem, too is prescription drug abuse. But like you said, I don't have a solution. I wish I could say, well, this is what we need to do. It feels like somebody out there should should have an answer. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. This is going to need a lot of editing, and I apologize. Oh, no. The end is the weakest part. Because <laughs> I didn't have... Well, I didn't have any way to end this other than I was like, wow, here are some weird situations I found. Little tidbits. We both have said, like, we don't know how to fix the issues that do arise from drug various drug epidemics but i feel like naming the solution keeping it real was maybe not great that's a step in the wrong direction you know for me just seeing those like faces of meth progressions is a very scary thing i feel like you could just put that up and be like is this what you want those are terrifying. Have you looked through those? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, what's crazy is, though, I don't, I think they're mostly in our region because I have friends from other states who are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, really? I mean, I knew it was a problem in our area, but I didn't know it wasn't so much of a thing elsewhere. It is really interesting. And I believe they started um, from Darren Aronofsky. So like the Black Swan guy. Oh. And that's, I mean, that's why they're fucking terrifying. For me, I just love showing them to people who are not from the state or your state because they're like, wait, this was on TV. I'm like, yeah, like daytime. Fentanyl has been a huge problem lately. That's nationwide though, right? Yes. Fentanyl is synthetic heroin and it is incredibly potent. Mm-hmm. And incredibly dangerous, dangerous and deadly, <laughs> dangerous. So dangerous. <laughs> it's dangerous. You know what's wild is when I was in labor. Was it with my first or second? I guess it doesn't really matter. They gave me fentanyl. What? Yeah. For real? For reals. You're sure? Well, now I'm not so sure. <laughs> I'm pretty Hold sure on. it started with an F. I'm gonna Yeah, will you 
look that up. They gave me something before I could get the epidural because they had to like wake up the epidural guy. I live in a really rural place. Uh, fentanyl for labor pain management. Okay. What? Okay, okay, okay. So yeah, but and this was before like I didn't know what fentanyl was at this point, right? And I was, you know, you're in so much pain when you're in labor. The epidural guy was at home asleep, so they had to like call him and wake him up to come to the hospital to give me the epidural. So in the meantime, they said, this is the way they described it to me. They were like, you'll still feel the pain, but you won't care about it. And I was like, I don't fucking care. Just put whatever you want in that IV. I don't care. And that's exactly what it was like. I was like, oh, this really hurts. But I was just super chill about it. Holy shit. And that's what they gave me until my epidural. Okay. Wow. So, (laughs) So there's that. There's that. And then a couple of years later, I start hearing about fentanyl all the time. And I'm like, isn't that what they gave me when I was in labor? And it's just like this horribly addictive thing. And I'm like, but they're using it in labor. Yeah. I mean, it's a synthetic opioid. Uh, it's been approved by the FDA for uh, pain relief and anesthetic. Mm-hmm. And it is a hundred times more potent than morphine and 50 times more potent than heroin. I mean, it did help. <laughs> I'm just going to say it, it helps yeah. me. Well, so is that your endorsement? You're like, look, if you're going to use a drug, use fentanyl. Just go straight to the top. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> I was just, I mostly, I just think about that every once in a while. Like, yeah, I've, I've had fentanyl. That's wild. And they were so chill, though, about it, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're just like, here, we'll go wake him up. Enjoy. Yeah. I just, I think about it and it's bizarre. Now, again, I don't regret it. (laughs) I was in back labor. It was fucking painful. I was like, give me anything. I don't care what it is. But it is funny to me because I feel like there's been in the past, maybe not so much anymore, a controversy over even epidurals or like any sort of drugs in your system because they're like, it goes to the baby and, you know, then your baby's going to be a drug addict. And then here we are like, but you you have a little fentanyl. A little for fun. Yeah, so it's, it's just interesting to me that that is something that is being used. And again, I'm not saying for or against it by any means. I mean, if it's safer mother and baby, then how about people fuck off? Yeah, I mean, I'm fine and my kids are fine. Well, I, that's, wow. <laughs> I know, I'm sort of sitting here, I'm like, oh, wait a second. I have been on fentanyl, <laughs> but a doctor gave it to me. <laughs> that's crazy. Speaking of doctors and drugs, some of these podcasts talk about opioids and how they started with housewives, but it wasn't an issue because it was white housewives. Highly recommend all of the podcasts. Yeah, those all sound really interesting. I'll, uh, I'll send you some. I'll also put them in our notes. And you can find them on our website, <laughs> which, look, there'll be a link, whatever. You can fucking find it. You're smart, probs. Take a little fentanyl if if you're feeling down. Ask your doctor about fentanyl today. Oh, man, that's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad it helped. I'm glad I remembered it because it it was so long ago that sometimes I'm just like, well, you know, nobody wants to hear my labor story. So, Well, now I do. (laughs) But there was the fentanyl thing. Now you want to hear all about it. (laughs) Now that there are hard drugs involved, that's exciting. Cocoa bananas. A little snack. A little squirt, squirt. <laughs> a little smooth, smooth. <laughs> smooth. <laughs> it's terrifying. Well? Yeah. I'm fine. I'm great, in fact. <laughs> I live in the dream under that blankie. Is that our episode? Are we done? Did we solve drugs? Did we fix America? We drugs. Oh, we didn't say. Um, So I think... It kind of goes without saying, but uh, the D.A.R.E. commercials, the D.A.R.E. program, does it hold up the 90s version? No, it didn't hold up in the 90s, no. No, it's not okay. It it was bad, guys. It was just dumb. Go watch those commercials, because I was highly entertained last night when you sent those to me. Yeah. Kelsey stopped what she was doing. She snuggled up, and we watched them together, and we're both concerned and confused. I, in my head, too, was thinking, I wouldn't show this to the girls. Yeah, It'd be creepy as fuck. It was made for kids, for elementary school kids. And I'm like, I wouldn't show them this. They'd have nightmares. I like the comment, though, that was like, 
this is actually pretty fun to watch if you are on drugs. <laughs> Which I don't think was their intention. Well, no unintended consequences, though. I think that is our episode, and we did this in under two hours, so it should be a little faster to edit. All right. Bing bong bing. Love you. Love you. Mwah. You've reached Sid and Riley. We can't come to the phone right now. So leave a message after the beep. Ruining Our Childhood was filmed in front of a live studio audience. Psych. But it is produced by us, Riley and Cassidy. With music by Joseph Tuna Medish. You can follow us on Instagram at ruiningourchildhoodpod. Or send us an email at ruiningourchildhoodpod at gmail.com. Support the show through our coffee account, ko-fi.com slash ruiningourchildhoodpodcast. Later. Later.